This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Our worship team do a great job and all of our extra singers. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Did a a fantastic job. Well, we are celebrating Christmas all month long here at the City Church, and we have called this year a storybook Christmas. And we are talking about um, the big story of Christmas in the Scripture and what it means to us. Um, And if you think about the Bible, if all that you think about the Bible is like some sort of rule book and there's sort of an angry God in there, we're not really sure about the rules and is God trying to foil all of our fun in life. And if we we don't know the big story of Scripture, we will, will struggle looking at the Bible. But when when we understand what this big story is in the scripture and what it means, it helps us to understand God and it helps us to understand God in our own personal lives. And what this big story is in scripture, and we see it actually right from the very beginning, is that God came down in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then we see over and over again in the scriptures, and we're actually going to see a few uh, times today, where God comes down to man. And this is the idea, the big story that we're looking at at Christmas time, you know, when we, when we think about stories, when we, um, when we gather, you know, with our friends and with our family at Christmas time, we'll watch the movies that we've watched 20 times already. Why? Because it's our favorite story. And we know that'll evoke some sort of emotion in us, whether it's a sadness or sentimentality or, or joy or whatever it might be. We watch these stories because these stories have meaning. And it's the same way the story of scripture, this idea that God coming down to man constantly over and over again in the Old Testament And then we see the ultimate manifestation of God himself coming down in Jesus to save mankind. And this is the big story arc of scripture. Uh, Once again, very stories that we tell and retell at Christmas time, they, you know, they, they're very meaningful to us and they have uh, great import for us. I know there's a a story that I tell my family in and around Christmas time. It's not specifically a Christmas story, but you know, when I was younger, I was a little bit of a mischievous child. Um, I know that might be hard to believe, but one of the things that I liked to do as a child, especially when there was really good packing snow, was I liked to throw snowballs at cars driving by me. And it was kind of, you know, one of the things that I would do on the way to school in the morning. I would have my backpack and I would have a snowball ready just in case a car were to drive by me. And specifically, if there was a bus, you know, was, you could never miss the bus. And so you always had to have a snowball ready. So there was this one really bad snowstorm around Christmas time. And we lived... Um, near the end of a crossroads and at the end of the crossroads where i lived it was great there was a stop sign on one side and then it was a pretty slow um, street and then there was a big huge pine tree right at the corner so during this big snowstorm i positioned myself in this perfect spot and all of these cars drove right into the kill zone and i had it set up in such a way that i would have this big stash of ammunition um of snowballs in this one spot. And so I could actually hit one car two times. So if they were coming this way, I have ready snowball, move on the other side of the tree. When they got the other side of the tree, boom, number two. So I've been having a great time uh, during the snowstorm for, a, for the better part of an hour. And I was really pleased with myself until all of a sudden one of the cars that I hit stopped. <laughs> exactly. I was a little bit nervous, and I dove under my big pine tree. This person gets out of their car. 
I'm kind of like now, I'm like, relax, buddy. You weren't going to do anything anyway. But in the moment, I didn't know. And I was super scared, trying to breathe very shallow as not to be detected by this person who was looking for me at the side of the street. And then eventually he couldn't find me because I was full camo under the, uh, the tree. And, uh, and then I went home right after that because I got, you know, my adrenaline was pumping and stuff like that. And once again, I tell that story, my mother groans. But we all have stories like this at Christmas time that we like to tell. But the big story of Christmas is a really important story. And when we think about the story of Christmas, it actually takes place in a specific time in history. It's not once upon a time in a land far, far away. It's in an actual time in history where uh, leaders of different countries can be uh, attested to from other sources. And we can see this was an actual place of time where Israel was being occupied by Roman forces. It wasn't really a great place to be. And we know that Jesus was actually born not in a palace. He was born in a manger. He was born in very difficult circumstances. And this helps us to understand and gives us a great insight as to what God thinks about us. That God comes down in the middle of difficult circumstances. He doesn't just show up at the palace He doesn't just show up at the high places. He doesn't just show up with the prime ministers and the presidents. He's actually with all of us. And we can see this in Matthew uh, chapter 1, one of the the first chapter of Matthew in verse 23, says this very famous verse. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is what we're celebrating all month long here as we talk about Christmas. What is the story of Christmas? And then what does it mean practically that God is with us, that God is present with us? We just sang about God's presence, that he is here with us, that he is with us all the time. This is one of the greatest revelations that that we can have as followers of Jesus is this understanding that God is omnipresent. In other words, he is everywhere all of the time. Unlike us, you know, sometimes we aren't always present, that we aren't always uh, there, um, focused on the, the task or the specific thing going on at hand, you know, whether we're on our phones or we're watching TV or different things like that. You know, this happens to me at least almost a weekly basis, if not a monthly basis, where my wife is, is talking to me and, um, and when my wife is talking to me, it's important, right? Is anybody here this morning? When your wife is talking to you, it's, it's an important thing, my dad told me. And so, but what happens is my mom, my mom, my wife, there's a Freudian slip. Um, my wife is telling me something and the sports news is on. So there's, I have this big choice of the information that I need to listen to. So, you know, you kind of got to pick your spots. So you got to focus and then you'd be like, okay, what's happening over here? And then, oh, the leaf's this. And then at the end of my wife's information session, there's always a test that I'm not prepared for. And I don't know if they teach you this in wife school or if they teach you this just so you can get mad at your husband. I'm not exactly sure. But at the end of it, sometimes she shows up with the test question and it says, what do you think? And I'm thinking, I know the Leafs won last night, but I'm not exactly sure what I think or feel about what she just said. Why? Because I wasn't necessarily present in the moment. That sometimes we struggle with being present in the moment because presence is actually great. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I remember when I was 18, 
I went downtown to apply for a job. And I, had, I hadn't gone downtown uh, alone by myself many times. I was gone with my family. So I was going to apply for this job right downtown Toronto, you know, in the financial district. And my dad said to me, I will go with you. So we went down together on the subway. Now, he didn't go, you know, into the interview with me like millennials. I think this is actually happening. I'm just joking. Millennials, we love you. He didn't actually go into the interview with me. He just went with me downtown and stayed down at the bottom of the building. Um, then I got the job. Yay. And but what was great that he was just present with me. He was there. And when we think about situations like that, this is what God's presence is like. It is helpful. And when we, when we have and experience God's presence, it doesn't make us weird. It doesn't make us strange. It, it helps us in our lives specifically to what we're going through right now. The season of life that we're in right now, God's presence, him being there, is meaningful and it's important. And it is the story of Christmas. God being present in our lives. Now, in the Gospel of John, John who is Jesus, one of Jesus' closest disciples. He takes a little bit of a different approach than some of the other gospel writers. You know, they would tell the details that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger, and there was the magi there and the animals and all these different things, all the details of the story that we have. But John takes a little bit more um, philosophical approach, I guess we can say, the spiritual importance of what, what happened when Jesus came to the earth. And we can read this here in John chapter 1, verse 14, that says this. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That Jesus showed up, when Jesus showed up in this difficult time, in this place in history, in an occupied territory, he showed up full of grace and truth. Now, when we think about Jesus, we say this phrase that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that he, uh, and, and that term Lord, he would just be in charge of our lives, that he, we would follow after him. And obviously, because God is with us, there, there's a measure of friendship that we have with the Lord. And this idea that Jesus is full of grace and truth, this is the best kind of friend that we can have. Someone that always loves us and always accepts us, regardless of what we do. Someone who will be there, you know, our ride or die. Someone who's with us until the end, even if we make stupid mistakes, they're there to help us. We make a dumb choice. They're there to pick us up. But then also with that grace that they give us, they also give us truth. They also tell us the honest truth. Hey, maybe you might need to change that. That attitude that you have, that thing that you're doing, how you're talking, you might need to adjust that and change that. And it's a great way to think about our relationship with God, our God who is always present. Jesus shows up. He's full of grace and truth, that he always gives us love and acceptance, but then he always tells us the truth. In other words, he's going to contradict us sometimes. I do this, and I say this, and I have this attitude, and I do this thing, and then the Lord Jesus shows up and say, hey, you might need to change that. You might need to adjust that in your life. Without condemnation, he does it how? With grace. And this is the best kind of friend that we can have. Um, if we go back to the verse before, guys, um, in Matthew chapter 11, we can see that Jesus is a friend to us because we can see it here in these verses. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. It says, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Who is Jesus a friend to? Tax collectors and sinners. And that's basically just two categories of bad people. See, Jesus was always at odds with the religious people, the people that thought they knew it all, and they thought that they did did everything right, and they thought they were so religious and had all of the ceremonies down pat. But the scripture says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. In other words, people who know they need help, and that's me. Somebody that struggles in their own flesh, that we need grace, and then we need truth. That's why he is a friend of of sinners. So God shows up in Jesus. He is present all of the time. And he doesn't struggle to listen like me. He can always hear us. He is always there when we need somebody to talk to. And then he is that proverbial person that is with us in those times where I'm going somewhere that I might be afraid of, that I'm not sure about this, that I don't know about this. Like my dad who was there with me to go downtown, that God is always with us by his spirit. Someone that we can always depend on. And as we talked about a little bit in that spoken word piece, at Christmas time, it's just very easy to get distracted. There's a lot of stuff going on. Busyness of life, and then it gets get extra busy at Christmas time. And so we can get easily distracted. And we can see this in the story found in Luke chapter 10. It says this, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Jesus is coming for a party at your house. Is there a little bit of pressure on you to get it right? You know, Jesus has shown up, the Messiah, he's working all these miracles and then Jesus is coming over to your house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which is not to be taken away from her. So we see here Martha, most likely the older sister, being responsible, doing all the things. And then the younger sibling just hanging out with Jesus. You know, that's what us younger siblings do. We just let the older siblings take care of everything, and then we just kind of hang out a little bit. Um, But then Martha, in the story, she's trying to be Martha Stewart. And she's doing all these things that are going on, but it says that she's distracted. Now, there's obviously nothing wrong with serving. There's nothing wrong with having a party at your house and setting up for your family and friends, but her attitude is what's going on. It says she's distracted, and she was anxious, and she was troubled. But here's the story. Mary understood that Jesus was present. Jesus was there in their house. She's distracted and she's anxious and she's this and that. And she's, you know, Jesus talked to Mary. And Jesus says to Martha, you know, Mary has chosen something just to sit at my feet and listen to me, to spend time with me. Why? Because Jesus is always there. And see, this isn't just good for Christmas time. This is good for all of the time. See, God doesn't live in church buildings. God doesn't just live with the famous preachers and at the Vatican or something. That God is with us in our house, in the middle of our circumstances, showing up. 
in the middle of an occupied territory, not in a palace, but in a manger, in a place of rejection, in a place of difficulty, showing up in the middle of those circumstances. God with us. This is the big story of Christmas, not God somewhere else. Not God up in the stars, even though he created the stars. That God is with us. You know, we, we all experience uh, different forms of trouble and difficulty. And, and it's very easy sometimes to have a little bit of a pity party. Kind of like Martha, she's doing all the stuff, just kind of feeling sorry for, ourse- for herself. And then we can get in the middle of circumstances and troubles and we can kind of maybe feel like we're the only one going through things. And we can see here a story in the Old Testament. Uh, the prophet Elijah, he was getting chased by Jezebel. Now, you don't meet, need to know much about the Bible to know that you don't want to be chased by a woman named Jezebel. And so she is coming after him and he is scared and he's nervous and he's, you know, he, he's, he's already worked some great miracles, but now he's scared about the circumstances that he is in life because Jezebel is coming after him. And let's read a little bit about it here in first Kings 19 verse nine. It says there, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And that could illustrate to us sometimes that's what life feels like. We're just in a cave and we're hanging out in this very dark difficult spot and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said to him what are you doing here elijah and he said i have been very jealous for the lord the god of hosts for the people of israel i have forsaken your covenant so elijah is telling god a story somehow he doesn't think god already knows thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and i even i only am left and they seek my life to take it away. In other words, he's the only one honoring God. He's the only one doing the right thing. And now someone's after him. Somebody wants to kill him. Feeling sorry for himself. Having a pity party in this cave. Listen to what God does and says. Verse 11, and he said, go outside and stand on the mount of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces and the rocks... And the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. One translation says, still small voice. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what? Are you doing here, Elijah? The same exact question that God asked before the pity party started. What are you doing here, Elijah? And at the end, God shows up with his voice to us. Why? Because God is always present. And I love it here that God shows up not with an answer, even though God does have answers for us, but he shows up with a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And then God asks us the same question sometimes, not so much in this house or in this workplace, but what are you doing here in your pity party? What are you doing here thinking that you have it harder than everybody else? My stuff is harder than everybody else's stuff. 
the things that I'm going through are harder. And then so I'm sitting in a cave feeling sorry for myself. But here, God, as a friend, as a good friend, shows up and asks us the question, what are you doing here? This is what a good friend does. Gracious to come and reach down, come down to Elijah. Gracious to come to us. And then he asks us a question to help us discover truth about who we are, what we're doing, what we're saying. God showing up, being present, being the best friend anyone could ever have. Now, when we think about God, yes, he is our friend, but then we know that he is our Lord and Savior. In other words, he is a leader, that God is leading us in our lives, that we are yielding to him so that he can lead us forward in our lives. Scripture has a lot to say about that idea. Very famous Psalm, Psalm 23. Let's read this together about God who is leading us. What does it say? It says, Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is how shepherds lead. They're out in front of the sheep. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in greed pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God, who is our friend, who also is our leader, who is always present. What does it say? He's leading me beside still waters. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about God's peace in our lives. He's leading us to a place of calm, busy, distracted, stuff going on, Christmas parties. But what is God doing? He's leading me beside still waters. I can still do all of that. Do all of those things, prepare for Christmas, even survive the parking lot at the mall. God's leading me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Talked about that a little bit when the service broke there. Just God restores us. You know, when we, we, we suffer something, brokenness in our emotions, we go through a relationship You know, it's hard to explain sometimes when you either have, you go through a broken marriage or a broken friendship, the stuff that happens when you had a friend and somebody who was loyal and they were so close to you and now they have left in a sense, they're no longer in your life. It's hard to describe that pain sometimes. But what does it say that God does to us, our friend and our leader? He restores our soul. See, God is the only one that can reach down in our hearts on the inside of us and bring restoration to us, bring us back to where we were before the brokenness showed up. God is present to do that. God is close to do that, that he restores our soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm not going to fear any evil. Even though sometimes my life looks like the shadow of death. It's really hard. It's really, and there's enemies there. What does it say? I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because I know God is with me. 
I borrowed my dad's courage when he went downtown with me when I was 18. He wasn't afraid to go downtown, so he went with me. You know what? God is not afraid of anything. And we borrow his courage that we don't have to be afraid, even when it looks dark and difficult, there's a big struggle ahead, that I don't have to be afraid. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Where is God preparing a table for us? What, the table is, is illustrative of provision, that God provides what we need. He's providing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, in a difficult spot. See, sometimes we get caught up trying to figure out why we're in a difficult spot. We have the big why question. Well, why this and why that, why the other? Well, let me, let me give you a broad why that will help you understand all of the issues that you're facing in life. We live in a broken world. There is an enemy, the devil, and sometimes humans make stupid decisions. And your problems are based on those things. Various degrees of percentage. Well, is it 33% each? Or is it 45% that I was an idiot last week? Or was it 95% that I made a stupid decision last week? If we answer the question, does it actually help you go forward? No, it doesn't even matter. Even if you knew why, you still have to live your life. We get past the why question. And we can know that God is preparing a table before me in the middle of that situation. Even when we have messed up. Even when we are 100% to blame for the situation that I'm facing right now. God prepare. Even when we're our own worst enemy. God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He provides for me. God is present. God is with us. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I've got God out in front of me, leading me beside still waters, leading me into righteousness. And then I've got goodness and mercy coming behind me, God's goodness and mercy surrounding me. God with us. Man, I'm telling you, this is the big story of Christmas. It is the most important story we could ever tell. That man has failed by all of the religions that we could create and think about to make their way to God. But we need to stop because God has made his way to us. He has come to us. He prepares a table for us. He leads us forward. I'm so thankful for the presence of God in my life. That I don't have to be afraid anymore. That I don't have to live in the brokenness of my decisions anymore. I don't have to live in what other people chose for me anymore. That I can choose to follow my Lord and Savior, I can choose to follow my closest friend, the one who came to rescue me, the one who came for me, the one who came for you.
Last verses here in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, Apostle Paul writes this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If, if you could think about your circumstances right now, something is against you, a circumstance, something that happened, a person. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is against me right now. Yeah, but God is for you. God is with you. God is lending you his strength. He's lending you his courage. He's giving you his love. He's present. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How does God give us all the things? He just gives it to us by his grace. We're not good enough. We're not, we don't qualify for it. But God gives us all that we need for our lives and he gives it to us by his grace. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It doesn't matter who's condemned you. God has justified you. It doesn't matter who's given up on you. God hasn't given up on you and your circumstances and your family. It doesn't matter who's condemning you. God justifies you. God raises you up. Verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for you. Think about that. This person's against you. This person, this person stopped loving you, so they stopped praying for you. But Jesus is praying for you. God is on your side. And he is present right with you right now when you leave and you drive home he's going to be in the car with you he's not staying here till you show up next Sunday he's going with you and he's present and he's leading you and guiding you and goodness and mercy follow after you verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for the sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Where is God? He is close. He's as close as close can be. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God, who is present, is crazy about you. He loves you. His love is undying. It is everlasting. It doesn't change. And he's close. So when we cry and when we're sad and we're all by ourselves, he is there loving us. Giving us his strength and his mercy and his goodness that does not cease. When other people's love ceases, 
God's love is there. And it's strong and it's powerful and it is what we need. Now in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure neither death nor life. So whether I die or whether I live, God's love is with me. Doesn't leave me. He's always with me. Neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come. Doesn't matter what's coming up in your life. Doesn't matter what comes up in the future. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. There's nothing that you can name. Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus who came. Who says to us, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful, Lord, that nothing can separate us from you. Nothing we can name. Nothing that has happened to us. Nothing to come. That you have washed away our sin. That you have washed away our past. That you are with us and you are close. That you are always listening and you are always strong. God, we thank you for that today. That we don't have to be afraid of any circumstances. That you heal our souls. That you are the healer of our bodies. That you are the giver of good things. God, we just love you today. We're so thankful for Jesus. We are so thankful for the story in your scripture. We bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca. Thank you.